The following is a presentation of the Six Arrows Radio Network. Ham Radio 360 Podcast. We're going to learn about the Amateur Radio Emergency Data Network. We've got some listener giveaways and a lot of fun coming up. MTCRadio.com presents Ham Radio 360, the podcast, with your host, Kale Nelson, K4CDN. Oh man, it is Christmas time. Welcome in to hamradio360.com, the podcast. I am your host, K4CDN. My name is Kale. Kale Nelson, and I hail from the state of South Carolina. I'm a general class licensee, former FM radio guy who got out of radio commercially to spend more time with my family, and in the midst of that, became an amateur operator and decided that I missed having an audience to talk to. So I jumped into podcasting. I chose amateur radio because a hobby to that point and still to this day had been very good to me. And I wanted to learn more about it. So I thought, hey, what not a better way to learn than to have folks learn along with you. And at the same time, you can make some really great friends with some really smart people who can help you and your audience learn at the same time. So that's what we do here every week. Whether it's the 360 podcast or the Workbench show, this is about growing, learning, and enjoying the amateur radio hobby. So if you've been here from day one, thank you so much. We're, we're tickled you came back. If this is your first time, we're really excited to have you here. And we do this every week. It, it's not like we're, you know, making a living off of this. It's not like uh, this is going to keep our families warm in the wintertime. No, this is something fun we do to give back to the hobby that's done so much for us. We really hope you enjoy it and hope you participate with us. If you have any questions about anything we do here on the show today, you can probably find the answer at hamradio360.com. That's the name of the show. That's the website. That's where you want to go to learn more about the show. We've got great show sponsors for our podcast. MTCRadio.com has been with us before we even existed. That's a long story, not for here right now, but it's an interesting one nonetheless. MTCRadio.com has all the gear you're looking for, whether it's a Kenwood Handy Talkie, whether it's the TS-990 or something in between. They got a brand new shipment not too, just a couple of days ago, matter of fact, of B-Stock Kenwood gear. Now, I can personally attest for B-Stock Kenwood gear. It's it's what I run in my van. I just got me another TM281 through the B-Stock deals. You'll save money. It'll be warranted. And usually any orders above $99 are going to ship for free. So make sure if you're needing gear and you're looking for some Kenwood stuff to check out my friend Richard and Christine Lenore down at mtcradio.com. They're down in Paris, Texas, and we'll do you the best deal guaranteed on Kenwood gear. Now, before we get into the program, i got to let you know it's been an exciting two weeks. Wow, a lot of news is broken for the show and what we're doing here. We've had some of the biggest download numbers we've seen since we began the program almost three years ago. We've also recently, just last week, announced that Ellacraft has come on as a show sponsor as well. We're really excited to begin that venture with them as we go into the new year. So you guys know that Ellacraft makes some banging gear and we're so tickled to have them a part of our show here and on the workbench so we have some more details for that coming up stay tuned but first i want to get in here and talk to some guys about something i've long wondered about and that is what in the world is ham mesh networking ham radio with mesh networking to create your own internet and today we're going to talk to randy whiskey uniform 2 sierra and daryl kilo 5 delta lima quebec 
Yeah, it's nice to have you guys with us. Randy, Daryl, thank you so much for coming out, being here on the Ham Radio 360 podcast. Well, thanks for having Thanks, Kale. Good to be here. Absolutely. Okay, guys. Now, if you're not familiar with the program, maybe this is your first time listening. I'm a fairly new amateur radio operator, and I like to learn about things. And that's really the premise of this program, maybe not directly centered at the brand new guy anymore, as I've continued to learn a little bit more than I started with. But we're always learning. And one of the things that I've been wanting to learn a lot about since I got into the hobby is mesh networking with amateur radio. And I have connected us with these two guys this evening, this afternoon, whenever you're listening to the program. And they're from Arden. That's the Amateur Radio Emergency Data Network. And guys, I really don't even know where to start other than what exactly is data networking for emergencies over amateur radio? Well, this is Randy. I think the simplest way to understand, start understanding it is to think of it as... Uh, home Wi-Fi on steroids. Okay. Uh, everybody's familiar with uh, wireless data communications in their home or in their office. This is a, a form of the same thing, but amped up quite a bit and operating on amateur radio frequencies. Okay. Now, we're not talking 144 megahertz here. I, or we're 2.4 gig, 5, 8 gig. Where, where do we find those frequencies that we're operating on? Well, we're operating on four amateur bands on 2.4 gig, mm-hmm. on uh, 3 gigahertz, on 5.8 gig, and on 900 megahertz. Very good, very good. Now, I, I kind of get the premise of the the uh, wireless Wi-Fi, uh, the Wi-Fi on steroids, operating through uh, these amateur bands. Is this something that the layman can? can kind of jump into and participate in if, if there's a local network or maybe even not a network where he's around, can he help begin one? Or is this something that really takes a lot of time and experience as an amateur radio operator to participate in? Well, that's a great question. And there's actually room for, uh, and, and we encourage people who have relatively little networking experience. That's really what it's designed for. But, of course, there's ample room for people with a lot of IT and networking experience as well. The idea behind Arden is to enable people who have a amateur radio license already but may not have a lot of networking background and give them the, the tools and the know-how very quickly to be able to be part of a, a, a high-speed internet protocol network that they can participate in, they can help set up. Um, It doesn't require a lot of knowledge on their part to get started. In fact, it really doesn't require much more effort than setting up a a Wi-Fi router in your own home. Okay. Now, is this this network something that's nationwide, or is it uh, you know, maybe just in Tucson, Arizona, or Charlotte, North Carolina. Are they all over the place, or are they just kind of found wherever they've been built? Well, you'll find people all all over the nation, and even internationally. We we have uh, participants in Canada, in uh, Chile, and other places in South America, in Europe, uh, countries like Spain and Norway, in the UK. Uh, we've got uh, people in New Zealand that are actively involved in the Arden Network. But the idea is, since our primary focus is to support emergency 
communications. Most emergencies tend to be local or at, uh, in a larger scale, regional affairs. Mm-hmm. And the intent behind Arden is to enable people that are responding uh to their local emergencies as communication specialists to give them the tools to set up uh, and operate very quickly a high-speed multimedia uh, data communication network. And so by the nature of what they're doing, they're not really uh, creating a a nationwide type of network. It's... tends to be of local interest and that's really those are the people and operations that we want to support i got you i got you so you guys are really focused on the emergency part in your name i think daryl even said earlier as as we were coming on here that uh if you look at the word preparedness you'll find arden right in the middle well and i think daryl has uh, got uh, some great examples from his own neighborhood of what uh, he's accomplished there with uh, his colleagues in uh, southeastern Texas. Yeah, absolutely. We've got a, a fairly uh, rich network. It is still growing, uh, Arden Network. Um, we are working with our uh, county uh, government, our sheriff's office uh, here. They're very good partners with uh, with our local areas group, which I'm also a member of. Uh, and we've been able to to really uh, come up with some strategic site locations to uh, to host some of the radios uh, that we're putting up or the, or the nodes as we call them in the in Arden lingo. Uh, and we've got a lot of members in our areas group as well that are uh, you know fully equipped with uh, Arden nodes, so we can actually take and deploy uh, to different parts of the county uh, and really hit some of the some of the more permanent infrastructure that we've built uh, as part of the Arden network. Uh, to uh, you know, service uh, all different, uh, uh, a variety of different uh, uh, customers, if you will, uh, in our in our area, in our region. Uh, every everyone from the Red Cross to you know various fire departments to our county EOC emergency operations center, uh, and really uh, all points in between. So, what exactly? Let's just kind of kind of back up here just a second. What exactly are you doing with? Uh, this network? Are you passing traffic between, say, Red Cross shelters, uh, between hospitals, patient information, or are you uh, giving folks access to the internet via amateur radio frequencies, or is it all the above? Yeah, I think that, I mean, that's a great question. That's something that we get asked quite often, especially, you know, from from new uh, people coming into this portion of the hobby. Um, and really, you know, to kind of continue on, on Randy's uh, kind of description of it as kind of providing somewhat of an internet to, to hams, high speed, high powered. Uh, it's really that if uh, if you kind of consider what you what we're building with. Uh, Arden uh, into an Arden network is almost like your own little internet. It can be connected to the real internet, but it doesn't have to be. And in most cases, in an emergency situation, it's it's typically not because the internet's going to be down anyway. Right. Um, but it's you know any type of application that you can run over like an internet type connection and a TCP/IP based protocol type connection, uh, you can 
primarily run that across an Arden network. We do a lot of voiceover IP telephony. So we have uh, voiceover IP servers uh, where you know members can have a VoIP phone out in a parking lot with an antenna pointed to another node, and they can pick that phone up and call the EOC. Um, that type of thing is very, very valuable to us, as well as things like video cameras, you know, live streaming of a certain event or a certain situation where um, you know someone at the fire department may want to see something physically they can't get there or or they don't have uh, the capacity to get there at that time we can actually show them through video live video not just a snapshot uh, we do uh, you know RMS Express uh, uh, one of the modes you can do that over is kind of a mesh type of mode uh, where you can send emails so you can have that offline capability for you know passing traffic and passing messages but the, the benefit is it's all high speed it's much much faster than uh, even a you know twelve hundred baud packet connection or something like that. So th- go 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 ahead, Randy. I don't want to cut you off because you got something there. Uh, the, the, to elaborate further on Daryl's example, uh, recently a few weeks ago at the uh, New York City Marathon that I'm sure many people are familiar with, there there were over fifty one thousand people that finished the marathon and there were hundreds of thousands of participants and families from literally all across the planet uh, during that event uh, local amateur radio operators deployed an Arden mesh network with a uh, doubly redundant voice over IP network that was very successful in supporting the marathon operations and regarding cameras in Southern California there are a number of cameras that are on remote mountaintops that are uh, able to assist in locating, uh, you know, fires that they have often. So those are a couple of examples where people have deployed equipment in anticipation of it being needed. And uh, it, it's very helpful in supporting local operations and municipalities and county governments whose budgets are often very limited. So going back to the original description of a, a Wi-Fi network on steroids, I mean, it really almost sounds to me, just in my ignorance, as a 21st version, 21st century version of packet radio on steroids. Well, yeah, that's another way of, of looking at it. Uh, in fact, I had a very similar conversation just a few weeks ago with some colleagues down in Sarasota, Florida, on the, on the west coast of Florida, who are very familiar with using packet radio to support their emergency communications uh, needs. And they're just becoming familiar with Arden and high-speed network. And that's exactly the way several of them looked at this. This is, you know, a a much higher speed and a much more reliable, uh, you know, packet network sort of thing is is the application that they were interested in. Because the reason I say that is because I can see some of my local Elmers. uh, I mentioned that, let's say I could mention this to them, and they would look at me and say, that's not ham radio because we're not picking up a microphone and calling in coordinates to a location or we're in a sag vehicle and we're not calling in what we're seeing out on the bicycle race this this is it's a little high tech for some hams i would imagine well it it it, it may be uh, you know for some of the the older hams uh, i i'm more of one of the 
the elderly persuasion, if you will. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I still consider myself somewhat high tech. And, you know, it, it's a thing that ham radio operators uh, often forget is that so much of what uh, has taken place in our hobby over the years has been on the leading edge. But like all human beings, we get comfortable with certain modes of operation and then uh, over time start resisting change. But, you know, to bring new people into the hobby, uh, you, you look at what folks in their daily lives apart from ham radio experience and what they come to expect. I mean, many of us walk around with smartphones, access to the internet, uh, we buy things online. Our expectations in the 21st century are that, you know, we can have access, a high-speed access to a, a huge amount of information, to international newspapers, to purchasing online, to uh, communicating with people wirelessly and wired all over the planet at, at little or no cost. And then you compare that with, you know, traditional means of emergency communication using handy talkies and local repeaters and, uh, as you say, you know, a, a voice communication from a sag wagon on a, on a bicycle race. And somehow that ends up striking one as, as a bit antique. You know, it's almost like you know, reenacting the Civil War. It's, it's, <laughs> it's interesting. It's it's of historical uh, importance, and we shouldn't forget it. It may even still have a place, but, you know, the reality is in the 21st century, high-speed communications are not merely an expectation. They really are a necessity, and here ham radio operators have the ability uh, at relatively low cost uh, in terms of dollars or their time invested to provide a, a high-quality, high-speed uh, data communication infrastructure, you know, that's consistent with expectations in the 21st century. And that's really what we're all about. Again, our focus is primarily on emergency communications response. The, those are the people that we consider our primary audience. But really, there's nothing stopping anyone from using, you know, the ardent uh, capability for all sorts of non-emergency uses, and that's perfectly fine. Very good. Very good. I want to keep the conversation going. We're going to be right back here in just a moment with Randy and Daryl from Arden, the Amateur Radio Emergency Data Network. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, so we're going to give away some stuff here on hamradio360.com. If you're wondering what in the world's going on, well, folks, that is the giveaway we do once a year at Christmas time. We've got some things we want to share with our listeners. And how do you do that? How do you, how do you become a part of the giveaways? You sign up for the email subscription, and we take those uh, names, and we random apply numbers to, and then we pick these random numbers, and we get winners. Uh, we've got three antenna analyzer boards that we're going to be giving away. That's the new board that we just recently released regarding the antenna analyzer build. If you're interested, you can go back and check out some of the workbench shows there. If you're not familiar, we have three boards to give away. We're going to give away those right now. These were all randomly drawn from all of our email subscriptions. Okay. Uh, Kilo Bravo 2. Bravo Echo Echo Lois. Congratulations in New York. 
The next one, Kilo Echo Zero, Kilo Tango Romeo, Alex in Minnesota. Congratulations to you. And finally, our last board for giveaway here is going to Kilo O, Oscar. <laughs> that always messes me. Let me start over. You ready? Kilo Oscar for X-Ray Lima. And that's Bruce down in Florida. So congratulations to Lois, Alex, and Bruce. Y'all are the winners of a Rev 6 AA board. And we're going to get this to you here in just a matter of days. More giveaways coming up. And we're back with Randy and Daryl. Randy's call is Whiskey Uniform 2 Sierra. We're all jealous of that, by the way. And Daryl, <laughs> K5, Delta, Lima, Quebec. They're from the Amateur Radio Emergency Data Network, or easier said, Arden. And, uh, of course, you'll find all the show note links at our website of hamradio360.com. Really, you know, this is something I've been wanting to learn. I've said this before already on the program that I've been wanting to learn about this for a very long time. And, guys, let me tell you just a little bit about why this is so interesting to me personally. I live way out in the country. Uh, we have no high-speed Internet connectivity available where I live. Uh, except through wireless telephone and hotspot devices. Uh, the nearest ham to me is about four to eight, uh, four to six miles north, and he actually has high-speed internet connectivity at his house. And we've we've talked about sharing that connection if we could get you know something pointed at each other uh, high enough to get over the humps and the bumps down here in the sticks. But uh, this is really interesting to me because. Uh, for quite a long time here in the upstate, we've been working to get an APRS network built in because there is no APRS network here in our county. This, to me, sounds like an excellent way to uh, add to an APRS network, some sort of packet network, uh, some way to get get more than just a 1,200-baud modem connected back and forth, a true high-speed connection uh, that is meshed together with the local amateur radio community. Uh, some of the some of the the ways that to do this are, are really not expensive, uh, but it takes more than just one guy down in the sticks putting up one transmitter antenna, whatever you actually call that. Uh, can we talk a little bit about how to put this into practice? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're right. Uh, one of the first things to consider is how to get over the humps and bumps. This is unlike high-frequency radio communications where you can just put up a wire in the trees and communicate with people all over the world. Uh, the Arden data network is communicating over microwave frequencies, as I'd mentioned before, on 2.4 gig, 3 gig, 5.8 uh, gig, and 900 megahertz. And so at microwave frequencies... You need to have a clear line of sight between your source and your destination. So if you can, you, you'll need to elevate uh, your nodes, uh, you know, either on the tops of hills, the top, you know, up somewhere up on a tower. Certainly, you need to clear the trees because microwave frequencies don't go through the uh, the trees very well. But having yeah. that, I was going to add, that's one of my favorite sayings is you know, microwave signals can go 100 miles or through one tree. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's quite appropriate. Yeah. But, once, but once you do that, um, you know, if you can get a clear line of sight, you know, we've got examples today of 
uh, radio frequency links uh, going over 40 to 60 miles, in some cases longer, you know, all with uh, high-speed data communications uh, across them, and, and certainly far in excess of the you know, 1,200-baud packet. Right. Now, and, and let's just go ahead and, and make sure folks understand, those those long shots are, are not in the, the woods of upstate South Carolina. That's uh, across the desert plain somewhere. I mean, it's or across uh, a mountain range from peak to peak. Those are unobstructed shots, I guess, would be the right term. Yeah, the ones I'm thinking of uh, certainly are, but I, I think, again, uh, Daryl uh, isn't living in the mountains. As I said, he's in uh, uh, southeast Texas, not far uh, from Houston, and there are no mountains there last time I looked. Uh, Daryl, <laughs> you could explain what you've yeah. done there. Yeah, we have tall trees, unfortunately, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's uh, I think, a similar challenge to you, Kale. Yeah, yeah. Uh, getting over the trees, getting over the tree line, but, you know, we've got... Uh, some nodes at uh, you know we've kind of set up a tiered system and uh, if you think of it as kind of rings of of network where you have kind of a backbone type of system that's uh, fairly high elevation and and I'm talking in the you know 400 700 foot range uh, some on tops of you know a couple hundred foot buildings uh, to really provide that kind of that top tier backbone mm-hmm. where then, you know, you can kind of, if you're on the ground in, in different parts of the county, as long as you can see those kind of high points, you can join, you can join the mesh, right. And participate in part of the mesh. And from that point, you can go further out. Maybe, you know, if you have clear line of sight down a, you know, a busy thoroughfare or street or something like that, where there's no trees uh, interfering, where you're, you're still able to get that line of sight. So it's really, it really depends on the terrain of where you're at uh, to kind of, how you set up your your uh, network infrastructure um, you know like you said uh, you know the California uh, network out there is a pretty pretty large network they have the advantage to go from mountaintop to mountaintop right? mm-hmm. and they're going you know uh, upwards of 90 miles across you know huge metroplex cities with uh, <laughs> just imagine the noise yeah. going through that that's amazing very successfully on where I'm, I'm at up in uh, northeastern New Jersey, Kale, it's uh, very similar to uh, your situation. We've got a tremendous amount of uh, trees here, although in the last couple of days the situation's improved because almost all of the leaves are off the trees. <laughs> so, so we'll Just have seasonal network. Yeah. We'll have we'll have six months of good microwave uh, communication at lower altitudes. <laughs> Uh, until the until the spring, but it is a problem. But uh, we also have a lot of humps and bumps here uh, from the glacial moraines and you know the various hills and whatnot. So it's problematic. But the nice thing about the equipment that the Arden Network uses is it's relatively small and relatively light, and it's easily mounted on very modest. Uh, poles or even on flat rooftops on a uh, using a an inexpensive non-penetrating mount similar to what you might see uh, on the corners of buildings where they put up uh, cell telephone uh, sector antennas so mm-hmm. there's a variety of uh, lightweight equipment that can be mounted on the tops of buildings to give you a little altitude and you know, in the kind of urban 
uh, semi-forested area that I live in, you know, that, that's often the best way of achieving some longer distance connectivity. And I think that's the that's the beauty of kind of the entire mesh technology. If if you can't get to where you want to go, you can get as far as you can go and put something there. And then from that point, who knows how far you can get, right? You might be able to make it over that next hop by just inserting one one node or radio in the middle to really complete that circuit to, you know, maybe one on top of the hill, one in the valley. And now, now you're, you know, uh, reaching out further than uh, what well, you were. And that's an excellent point, and we've demonstrated that repeatedly here uh, in one of the most densely populated areas of New Jersey at several of the parades. I mean, we've, we've got a, a huge, hugely densely populated um, uh, town, and in order to provide connectivity, we've just uh, deployed a bunch of nodes mounted on the, on the back of a truck or a car, and uh, you know you get a couple of blocks and you you know the next one gets a quarter mile and so on and so forth and that's where the the uh, the beauty of a mesh network comes in is that uh, people can uh, deploy intermediate nodes uh, very inexpensively just mount them temporarily on their truck or their car hook them up to a 12 volt battery and you've sort of built I guess the equivalent of like a chain of repeaters. They automatically find each other, uh, connect to each other, and extend the network a little bit further. And so that's really, again, the the purpose of helping out in an emergency where uh, a lot of the infrastructure may have been taken out, uh, you know, for a long period of time. You can deploy these temporary nodes quickly, cheaply, and uh, effectively, uh, without a lot of networking knowledge, just by hooking up a battery and letting it run. You know, I'm reminded, and I will show my age here, as I was working at Radio Shack in 1988 as a uh, high school junior, maybe, maybe a sophomore, and we were we would we would sell cell phones at Radio Shack. Uh, imagine where they are now. Uh, anyway, we would sell these phones and people would come in and they say, well, where does the phone work? And we had a map and it would show these big blue dots over a certain area of our locality. And then there would be nothing there. And then right over the, to the left, there'd be a blue dot and to the right, there'd be a blue dot and their phone would work in the blue dots. This was before, you know, we had uh, conflicting commercials on television during our NFL games trying to distract us and buy something from another carrier. Uh, but that's how it was back then. And basically what they did, they just started putting up more towers and stronger antennas and transmitters, and they increased their sales or their nodes and uh, made their coverage better. And that's exactly what you're describing there by tapping one on your car or the roof of your truck or something uh, to add to the network to help it grow. Well, that's that's exactly it. And again, it's the... The point of the Arden Network is to be able to support emergency communications where you can't take for granted that you're actually going to have the radio communication infrastructure that you had the day before the problem arrived on your doorstep. You know, the, the, the buildings or the towers are more likely the electric power sources that you were counting on yesterday may may have been taken out by a hurricane or a fire and now what do you do well you know 
hams are uh, very inventive and resourceful, and and many of the better of them are, are also very well prepared. So you can be sitting there with a couple of nodes in the trunk of your car and the ability to hook it up to your car battery or, or some spare uh, batteries that you have on hand and deploy these things and help extend a high-speed network for the benefit of all in your community very quickly um, and, and, and have it provide the services that are needed to support emergency communications. That's the exciting part about this is that people can do so much with so little, uh, you know, and so quickly, um, you know, and, and to support their local communi- communities, you know, in their greatest times of need. Now, that sounds like ham radio, so much with so little to support your community. I mean, that sounds like what we've been doing here in the in the hobby for the last 100-plus years. Well, yeah, and as Arden, uh, as uh, Daryl is very, very fond of saying, Arden is at the heart of emergency preparedness. <laughs> and and that's, we really believe that, and we're, we're trying to live that and help uh, people provide those uh, resources. Daryl, you had something to throw in there? Yeah, I was going to add, uh, kind of circling back to my kind of the rings of communication, um, you know, something that that uh, that and, or Randy had mentioned was that, you know, you, these networks are typically, you know, fairly regional, right? Just because of the, you know, the distance limitations of a, of a microwave signal. However, being an IP type of network, um, you know, it's very, very capable of getting something high speed to or within that network. But, you know, the question comes up, what if I need to get outside of that network? Well, Arden is just like any other tool in the HAMS tool bag, right? You use the right tool for the right situation. I can send something within that network if it gets to the ELC, and now that needs to be, you know, we discovered that there may be some, may be some traffic that needs to get sent out further, right? Maybe to the, to the state operations center. We have HF capabilities, but all of that's integrated and part of the Arden network because it's an IP-based network. We can easily transfer that information from, you know, an RMS Express uh, station that came in high speed and then send it over HF. So it really is a nice bridge to get out further when you need to. Right? It's very, very capable of those types of things. Excellent. Which leads us to one of our favorite segments here, and that's going to be talking about gear. We're going to talk about gear for Arden and the network here with Randy and Daryl in just a moment. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Ham Radio 360 podcast. <laughs> We're going to roll along here with the giveaways. Uh, I've got some swag packs. These include the wintertime hats. We call them toboggans in the deep south. You may call it a knit cap, a watch cap, uh, a beanie, whatever you want to call it. You go ahead. We're going to call it toboggan in South Carolina and Alabama, if I'm not mistaken. So we Tennessee, West Virginia, y'all know what I'm talking about. All right, so we've got some of those hats to give away along with some stickers. So we're going to send the first one out to Washington State to Alpha Fox 7 Hotel Lima. Congratulations, Paul. I'm going to bet you can probably use a knit hat in Washington State. Next up, 
from Wisconsin. We know this man needs a hat, all right? It's Kilo 9 Echo Mike Delta. His name is Michael. Congratulations, Michael. Hope you two enjoy those uh, hats and stickers. And here, as we just continue to get through this, we want to give some stuff away from our friend KB6NU, our buddy Dan Romancic here, who is a sponsor of the program, been on the show before, just a, just an asset to the community. If you're on Twitter and you're not following KB6NU, you're missing out. He's also got one of the coolest blogs on the online, kb6nu.com. Dan has given us two general class study guides, his no-nonsense study guides, and we want to put those in the hand of one of our or two of our listeners who are technicians to encourage them to go ahead and upgrade to general. All right. In addition to that, we're going to throw in one of our Velcro backed patches as well. So we're going to give the first one here to Kilo Kilo Six Romeo Hotel Yankee. Congratulations, Tim. He's in California. And the other goes to Mike Kilo Echo Zero Charlie Sierra Bravo in Missouri. So we got some KB Six in you. No nonsense upgrade general study guides coming to you along with some patches so congratulations to you all we've got some more giveaways as we continue the show stick right here now back to the interview yeah i kind of alluded in in the last segment there as we were winding up that uh, everybody wants to know what to buy now and randy reminded us that we're ham so we're frugal which we are and uh, that's okay because it's just who we are. We can buy more if it costs less. So um, let, me, let me just tell you what I've got here at the farm. I have a I have a house that's about seventy five yards below my barn, and in my my barn is an old horse barn, but half of it or a third of it rather was a, a tack area, and the tack area was transformed into a workshop area before I moved in, and that has become my workshop slash shack slash recording studio so that's uh you just this is the best you're going to get right now from kale but on the eve of my house facing the barn i have a ubiquity nano beam and uh, under the eve of my barn i have a ubiquity nano beam they're both pointing at each other although they've never been activated uh and the reason for me doing that was because as i mentioned earlier I have no high-speed internet connection here except through a MiFi hotspot from AT&T. My vision for all of this is to take the network from the house that hasn't been built yet uh, and connect it wirelessly through the nano beams to get a wireless connection point here in my barn and be able to share the network connection from the house for cat control. So I've got big, big dreams, and this ham mesh thing just fits right into that, Uh, but but it's going to take some gear to connect my house to the barn, just like it's going to take gear to connect an amateur radio operator to the Arden network. And they're waiting for me to stop talking. So you guys can tell them what it's going to take to do that. Who wants to start there? Daryl. Sure. Um, so, uh, you know, your, your house to barn situation is probably not quite an emergency communications of uh, type of situation, <laughs> but but it's good too because you know hams like to practice, right? Yep. We have to practice to be good at our craft, so that's a great great way to start. And we've got you know there's a lot of our uh, you know users who actually you know started out doing that, so they can get get their hands on the uh, on the hardware and start mm-hmm. doing things. Um, uh, what you would do is. Uh, make sure that you've got those uh, the model numbers and everything on the gear that you have. You said you have some nano beams. They're I'm assuming probably a five gig nano beam or, or that. Yeah, you know, I think they're the five eight. 
Yeah. So if you uh, you would go to our website, which is www.arden.org, and we've got a platform um, uh, supported platforms matrix that we call, uh, and you can go down that list and you can look and say, okay, I'm going to see if I can find my nano beam model number M516 or M519, whatever you may have, and you find it on that list. And then there's a there'll be a link to the firmware that you'll download, and the firmware essentially replaces the software that's in that router that uh, that nano beam today that's provided by Ubiquity. Mm-hmm. Um, once you do that, that node uh, it becomes an Arden node. There's a little bit of setup information or configuration information, like it needs to know what your call sign is and what password do you want. Very minimal information, mm-hmm. and then from that point, once you do that on both sides of that link. As long as they have uh, you know, a decent line of sight between each other, they'll link up, and then you have you know a full connection, just like you had a wire strung from your house to the barn. It's just now going over RF. Nice, nice. And let's say that you don't have that problem, and you have a house, live in a pretty, I don't know, uh, sprawling environment, maybe, and you have neighbors that are hams, and they want to participate, they need the same gear or the same type of gear on the same frequency? No, well, that's not quite the... Certainly, they need to be on the same frequency, mm-hmm. but they don't need the same kind of gear. There's actually quite a uh, wide variety of uh, Ubiquity and TP-Link gear that's available. Mm-hmm. And what you do is you pick the type of gear that's suitable for the type of RF link that you are planning to set up so you wouldn't necessarily buy a much more expensive um, ubiquity rocket with a a big powerful dish antenna uh, you know if you're only trying to go a couple of hundred yards you could go and get yourself an inexpensive nano station or a nano station loco and that would probably be just fine. So you have a, a, a variety of, uh, ex, uh, you know, inexpensive to more expensive equipment, uh, greater or lesser capability depending on what you're trying to do. Okay, and that's and that's the beauty behind uh, Arden is you know selecting gear is exactly the same way that we do it in other parts of the of the ham uh, uh, hobby, right? So if I'm trying to, to get a long-distance uh, you know, signal out, I'm going to choose a Yagi antenna, right, so I can focus that signal. Yeah. You do the exact same thing. If you need to go a longer distance, kind of in a point-to-point type situation, you're going to choose a different type of radio that has that type of antenna capability. If I'm trying to cover a large area, so you know, a, a downtown office building where I want to serve as many people or as many nodes in a, you know, 30 degree or 90 degree sector from that building, I'm going to choose a different antenna, different radio uh, to match up to that antenna. So it's, again, uh, very much like we do in other parts of, of ham radio. It's just choosing you know, the right type of equipment. And the first, generally the first choice that you make is what type of antenna do I need, a directional type of antenna or more of a broad uh, coverage antenna. Do, do folks use Omnis in this type of situation or is it more directional? Well, yeah, they they do. Again, it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. But uh, I've deployed locally a, a couple of Omnis. There's in a, uh, there's uh, 
on the on one of the buildings in Fairlawn, New Jersey, I've got a 2.4 gig rocket with uh, an Omni antenna on there, so it can be accessible from the surrounding neighborhood, and so it's intended to uh, be able to to reach out and touch you know people and. in vehicles as well as permanently located on on the roofs of some of the nearby homes. One of the things yeah, I, and that oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was I was just going to add that's kind of one of the more exciting parts of uh, you know being in the in the high tech technology that you know that we're in using this equipment is you know Randy was just talking about omnis you know we use some omnis here in 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 our county where we're located, but the omnis aren't just you know your your old fashioned it's vertical or horizontal actually some of the omnis that we can get and use with these radios very very effectively are actually dual polarized uh, so if you think of an a, you know a vertical looking omni there's there's actually some omnis out there that have a horizontal uh, uh, aspect to them as well. That's really cool. You know, one thing I've heard you mention a couple of times is you connect them to your radio. What type of radio are we using for that? Well, the radio is, is built into the Ubiquity uh, equipment. We refer to it as a radio or a okay. node. You know, it, it, it's in effect, uh, I guess maybe a better way of thinking of it is it's really a computer with a radio transmitter receiver attached <laughs> to the computer. And, of course, all of this stuff is extremely tiny. They're, they're really all uh, uh, systems on a chip kind of thing. Uh, you know, if you actually open one up and look at the surface, uh, the uh, circuit board, and it's all tiny surface mount stuff, it's really quite amazing uh, the capability of these tiny little devices. But... Again, the the beauty of all of this is it's it's housed in a, a very weatherproof case, and the only thing that you you need it need to attach uh, to many of these devices is just an Ethernet cable. The the power comes up the Ethernet cable, the power over Ethernet uh, to. Uh, you know, power up the device, the computer, the radio, everything that's inside of it, and it's sitting out there in the weather, rain or cold or snow, it doesn't matter, it'll it'll take it just fine. You gotta keep in mind these things these these um the, the ubiquity equipment we're talking about is really designed for commercial applications for wireless internet service providers, you know, and they intend to put these things up and have them out in the, the weather 365 days a year for many years uh, and not have to service them at all. And, and so we're just taking that commercial gear and repurposing it for use by ham radio operators. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that was a point that I wanted to bring up because we hear a lot of, there's a lot of amateurs who are really into the commercial gear. And they'll be very quick to tell you how much better built that is than a Yesu Kenwood ICOM. Uh, but this is the stuff that Uncle Sam uses. This is the stuff that our military uses. Uh, our, there's there's our huge corporations trust these things to pass information back and forth. It's not like we're going out and encouraging someone to buy a $35 handy talkie. I mean, this is the real deal. This is a real piece of equipment that's built to last, uh, and and which leads me to my next question: what what does what does one of these antennas, one of these radios, the transceiver, whatever we want to call it, a node? What does? And I know it's going to be very broad, but what can somebody purchase uh, a bottom end, medium grade 
level of type of device? What does that cost someone? Well, that, that's a great question because uh, getting back to we are all frugal, including <laughs> myself. And, and so getting started with some of this is surprisingly affordable. The, some of the smallest units, uh, it, uh, one's called a nanostation loco. Uh, it's a relatively small little unit. It's not much bigger than a, than a handy talkie again, in a weatherproof case, um, they're regularly available for somewhere around 45 to $48. And by the way, that that includes as part of built into the housing. It includes a sector, a small sector antenna, right? So you don't even have to buy a separate antenna for those some of these devices. The antenna, the radio, the computer is all built into this weatherproof case. And oh, and the the it's a roughly a sixty degree sector antenna built into this little thing, uh, and it's uh, it's also what's called a MIMO or MIMO M I M O multiple in multiple out antenna and it's dual linear polarization. So in this <laughs> in this little bitty unit for under fifty bucks, you've got yourself a real twenty first century high tech commercial grade piece of gear that's ready to communicate in a high speed data. That we have it, we have access to use those frequencies through our amateur radio license. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's that's really again the the whole point. And uh, even on the two point four gig uh, band, I mean, you can operate it on the Wi Fi frequencies. Uh, you know, on, on the channels one through six that we're all familiar with. Those are also. Um, uh, part of the amateur radio band, and the advantage there is that you can operate them on much higher power if you're operating it as a, an amateur radio operator. Uh, the the, uh, the normal home Wi-Fi routers are limited by the FCC's Part 15 regulations, and the power limits on amateur radios are much higher. But uh, even on 2.4 gig, we've found a way of operating on two channels below channel one the the part 15 channel one and so there's there's clear frequencies still part of the amateur radio uh spectrum that get you out of the all of the local noise if you will generated by your neighbor's home wi-fi routers Mm. and then uh, we we also operate on the uh, three gig band and there is ubiquity equipment that's available um, for purchase. It's a little more expensive, largely because there there really is no real commercial use of the three gig band in the U.S. Uh, other than some um, uh, radar equipment in certain locations. Uh, but ham radio operators, in effect, have a, a set of clear frequencies. And so for a few hundred dollars, for example, I've purchased um, a, what's called a ubiquity rocket and, uh, and an appropriate 120-degree sector antenna uh, for a combined total of just under $400. And so that'll get me operating on, you know, on 3 gigahertz uh, pretty much in the clear. And then, uh, you know, the 5.8 gig band, again, there are a lot of 
shared channels, but there are, I believe we have seven channels that are in amateur radio uh, frequencies only that are not shared with other services. You have some clear channels there. So there's a lot of possibilities. Yeah, and I can't str- I can't stress enough the uh, you know the difference in getting out of the the Part 15 Wi-Fi noise makes. We've had just story after story uh, on our forums of you know people who who've uh, who tried to run on channel one with uh, this exact same gear, um, but barely able to make you know 300 yards right barely able to make you know three four hundred yards right when they shifted down uh, into the ham only part 97 only frequencies it's just like 10 megahertz off uh, 10 megahertz megahertz down you know they were able to shoot you know 30 40 miles easily <laughs> right with high quality high speed signals just amazing that, that's hilarious uh, and you know being way down in the country there and since nobody has internet there's not really a whole lot of uh, noise probably out there anyway but still yeah you, <laughs> you might be totally successful <laughs> on channel one yeah, exactly <laughs> you, but the, the the funny thing about this is i'm sitting here wondering earlier okay i'm going to buy these and put them in my truck on my car and how are you going to afford that well they're 40 dollars a piece that's that's I mean, we, we'll spend thirty-five on a handy talk, and we can spend forty dollars or a little bit more on a node. Um, and, and I'll qualify. That's new price, okay. right? You can get these used too. Yeah. Well, okay. So that leads me to this real quickly. Um, if you're if you're really serious, if you're listening to this and you like this whole idea, you may or may not be aware of this actually happening around you. Would it be prudent for someone to come to your website and find out if there is a local series of our local group of hams that have uh, have some nodes out there so somebody just doesn't go buy a 5.8 gigahertz uh device when most locals are running 3.0 or 2.4 or, or not even 900 megahertz i mean there needs to be a little forethought into this if i'm not mistaken absolutely and coming to the arden website's a great idea because we've been very focused on helping uh people in selected regions communicate amongst themselves. We've set up a a regional set of sub-forums. Some of them might cover an entire state, such as Alabama. Others cover portions, uh, sub-portions of a state. So there's a California sub-forum, and it's broken up into uh, three or four other uh, groups of counties, if you will, you know, given the population. So mm-hmm. if people come and, and uh, see that they're not represented. So, for example, Kale, we don't have at the moment uh, anybody asking us about setting up a South Carolina uh, subforum, although there is a North Carolina uh, group, and I, I've worked with a few of those people, uh, several of whom are in the Wilmington and Oak Island area of North Carolina out on the coast. But uh, if there were a group of uh, folks in South Carolina that were interested in having a uh, a sub-forum area set up for them so they could communicate amongst themselves and say, hey, I'm here and I'm thinking of uh, setting up some nodes in this locale on these frequencies, you know, can we get together and start doing some planning? You know, that's a, one way that the Arden website can help people. 
Excellent. And guys, you can find that online, of course, at the triple W alpha Romeo echo. <laughs> that didn't want to come out Delta November. That's the last two digits of my call. Why didn't it want to come out? Alpha Romeo echo Delta November.org Arden.org is what we're talking about here. We're talking about the amateur radio emergency data network with Randy, who is whiskey uniform Two Sierra and Daryl kilo five Delta Lima, Quebec. We'll be back with them in just a moment as we continue the conversation here on Ham Radio 360. Yeah, so we've got some more giveaways here on the Christmas show, and we're going to give the Pactena Mini away. And these Pactena Minis are really an amazing piece of equipment. If you haven't seen one yet, uh, Stuart KB1HQS did a great video review on his. They've also been featured in QST Magazine. They're created by our friend George, who is the co-producer there at Workbench Podcast, along with our buddy Nick N3WG who created and provided for you, the listener, the iPhone iOS application, the 360 app. So thank you, Nick and George, for your support. Thank you for this antenna to give away. And the lucky guy is Kilo One Kilo Whiskey, Tom in Tennessee. Kilo One Kilo Whiskey. He's got a pretty sweet one by two call sign along with now he's got a pack 10 of mini headed his way congratulations again tom thank you for entering the contest now before we get back to arden i want to remind you real quick that the ic7300 is still smoking hot and it's still on deal and you can find it online at mtcradio.com the best prices on the internet if you find something you think is lower or a better deal call richard let him know he'll beat it it's mtcradio.com so we're going to continue the conversation now with Randy and Daryl from Arden.org. That's Alpha Romeo Echo Delta November.org. And, and Daryl, you mentioned just right off the air that there are some features. We haven't even talked about your website that may be very beneficial for folks who are interested in this. Yeah, absolutely. wanted to follow up with uh, kind of what Randy was talking about. In addition to the forums that we have out there on the site uh, where you can kind of communicate with other uh, other hands perhaps in your area, if you just want to get a general idea and kind of see it from a, from a map view, we do have a map that you can uh, look at different nodes that people have uh, elected to, pr- to publish their information on our map. And it's one of, the, one of the features that we have within the Arden firmware is if you choose to do so, we don't force anyone to do this, but if you choose to do so, you can actually self-report, and it will instantly show up on a map with all other nodes uh, in your area, and people can go and look and find out details of what frequency you're on, what band you're using, what what uh, you know SSID or ID you're using to con- connect the two different radios together if you decide to change that. But there's a lot of information there that uh, you can take a look at. And, and the webs, I've been there, the website. Uh, I'll be very honest with you. At first glance, it's a little intimidating, but uh, having some background now just in this conversation, it makes it a lot more inviting, at least knowing where to go to find what I think I may be looking for. And uh, Well, that's uh, good. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little surprised to, to hear that it's intimidating. I, I, I hope my most people don't find it that way, well, but if it, it is... It is me, Randy. It, it, it's Kale. <laughs> <laughs> well... But we we take input from all, from everyone. Yes. Absolutely, we want we want to hear hear about that. If, if people are having uh, you know difficulties finding some something, please let us know. But uh, toward that end, just finding information in general, so we've got a fairly sophisticated search function 
on the website, and we're, we're constantly tweaking it to make it a little more usable. In fact, um, uh, one of my friends and the moderator of the voiceover IP subform, Mark, N2MH uh, had suggested a few months ago that uh, when he searched for um, answers to his questions, he, he said it would really be helpful if there was a little more information about where the the source of the uh, the answer was coming from. So if it was coming from, say, one of our pieces of documentation, he'd like to know that, or if it came from uh, one of the, f the forum responders, he, wanted, he would like to know what forum it came from, uh, it, you know, it would give him a, a little better clue as to would the, would the answer that's being provided, is it, is it relevant to his particular context? And so we've we've put that in now, so you can kind of see the sources of the the answers that you're getting. So there's a lot out there, and just sometimes just uh, searching for a word will get you to the answers you're looking for. And, and too, a lot of times when all else fails and you you just can't figure something out, we have a very very active community of of users who use the you know our our firmware our software and and are very very willing to help other people and and jump in there with uh, easy answers tough questions and everything in between well, and that go ahead. So that's all even surprised us because we we hadn't, up until recently we hadn't really been tracking the the activity there and and one of the team members asked this as well you know how many you know how many posts do we get a week? And says, you know, and somebody'd guessed, oh, I think it's thirty or forty. I started looking at it. We've been averaging well over a hundred posts a week. So wow. there's a great deal of activity there. And and looking at the map, there looks like a great deal of activity in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, there is the uh, the Tennessee group, and and it really they've been working with uh, the statewide emergency communication. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of around Nashville, but they're 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 spreading out a lot, and their intention is to uh, cover the entire state of Tennessee eventually. Again, in support of both county and statewide emergency communication, and they're doing a great job. Yeah, fantastic guys up there. Uh, Tom K1KY is a big uh, big leader in that area. Fantastic. You know, that's it's so interesting to see who's going to take the lead on these kind of things and. It sounds like they're chomping at the bit to get started for their state. They are the volunteer state, after all. And, uh, That's right. <laughs> the, the South Carolina map looks just like the Spartanburg County map here in South Carolina for APRS. There's nothing shown. Um, it, in, I, I see some in North Carolina. That doesn't surprise me. You, you said you have a, a lot of users there in North Carolina along the coast. And, and just for... No, nothing that matters regarding this conversation, but the downloads for this program are over 10 to 1 North Carolina versus South Carolina. And I don't know if That's if, interesting. if our local amateur community just doesn't like me or if uh, we just had there's just that many more amateur radio operators in the state of North Carolina with the research triangle and whatnot versus the state of South Carolina. I haven't gotten that far in my in my study yet, but it is very interesting. So let me ask you this. Uh, you talked about being involved in Aries, Daryl, and uh, yes. how that complements what you guys do. 
uh, let's say there's there's a guy in um, Oklahoma City that would like to start something like this for his community, his amateur community. Is this something that really uh, would have a little more sway if it had Aries or Racy's or one of the local MCOM groups behind it? Or would you encourage anybody who feels feels the uh, the, the desire to to participate in this to just go ahead and get started? Yeah, I, I think uh, you know anyone who who has a desire to tinker and and really kind of get involved in this is a great candidate to get involved in this. That's how we all you know we like doing what we like to do. Uh, so I would encourage anyone who's interested to do that. Uh, Although we do have a large, a fairly large number of uh, of users that are part of Aries and Racy's groups, and in a lot of a lot of cases, like specifically in in my case in the, in the Houston area, you know, I was it for Mesh, and I kind of started <laughs> tinkering with it, and I started promoting it, and then you know, I'm, a, I'm obviously a member of our our local Aries group, and started talking and did some presentations there, and then it kind of just grew organically, and I think that's a, a pretty typical pattern uh, of uh, how this thing has been growing it's just you know sometimes it just starts with one person and then uh, word of mouth gets around and people start getting interested in it it's you know it's high tech it's different it's new it's high speed and uh it just uh, it just grows now does 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 someone really have to have a solid understanding of networking to participate or can they kind of model themselves through to they make friends with somebody that's really good at that well, I like I like to say you know the one of the design intents uh, intentions of uh, of the Arden is really to to make it as simple as possible to get it set up. You don't have to know much of anything about networking. If you know your call sign and you can write a word down to be your pass. Uh, password, you pretty much can set up a node yourself, right? Yes, it does help, right? And mm-hmm. and as you uh, practice with it and train with it, you're going to pick up more and more of those networking things, the IPs and, and things of that nature. But it's not critical that you have to know it. Uh, it's good that if someone in your network knows it, it's, you know, there's a benefit there, obviously, mm-hmm. but it's not a mandate. No, and and, uh, and even some people have have said that when they get started, they're a little intimidated about uh, loading new firmware on top of their brand new piece of ubiquity <laughs> equipment. You know, am I going to break it, or you know, or if I change my mind, you know, am I going to be prevented from putting the you know the original ubiquity firmware back on it? And and the answer to that is very simply is that. It, it's very easy to install the Arden firmware on its place, and, and we've even got literally step-by-step instructions with a picture of, of every step. Uh, you know, I mean, it'd be almost impossible not to follow this. It's very simple. We've also had people uh, get stuck. In, in a variety of ways, often not through their own fault. And uh, there are instructions to get you out of that hole and get back on the solid ground. So uh, pretty much all the difficult problems to, and odd situations that people have run into uh, in the past with loading or configuring software have already been documented and all the solutions are are, are ready there for people to use in as simple and easy a way as possible. So, as Daryl said, it says you just you know step up to it and 
give it a try with the, some of the less expensive piece of equipment. And once you get one or two under your belt, uh, you'll start picking this stuff up very quickly. I, I like yeah, that keep I've, it simple, I, stupid kind of stuff. Yeah. Kel fits that really good. <laughs> Yeah, I'll uh, I'll say too is you know I, I have to hand it to Ubiquity and and TP Link they really make some really really good solid hardware, uh, and I've yet to see one of these devices be totally bricked and not recoverable, not recoverable and not usable. Right? Oh. There's always you know there's you know two or three different ways that you can actually recover these things so that you know it's not just a, a hunk of metal sitting on the desk. So, so one guy's got a couple of hundred bucks, and he wants to 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 start an an Arden network in his hometown. Um, it's like anything else. It's uh, you can use your call sign in more than one place. I'm assuming. I mean, you don't have to have another ham to do this. You can build your own network with multiple sites under your call sign. Yep, that's yeah. exactly what uh, how many of us got started. I know Randy and I both have many, many, many nodes with uh, our call signs in them. Got you. Got yeah, you. I've, got a, I've got a bunch on the on the map here. I think the, some of them are a little outdated, but you know, I've, I've been doing a lot of experimenting, and uh, I've, I've actually got uh, nodes on all four bands at my location here, <laughs> uh, which are operating. Yep. That's cool. That that's how you know you're talking to the right person about a subject when they've got every avenue covered. <laughs> and by the way, they all interoperate, right? So, yeah, you can come in on 900 megahertz, you can go out on 5 gigs. We don't oh care. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So, um it's it's a really interesting concept. I think it has a very valid place in our hobby, especially in the emergency aspect, which is what you guys are shooting for. Uh, you know, we didn't really get real deep into the use of it. Uh, you think you guys could go one more segment and kind of uh, chat with me about some of the deeper uh, what-if kind of real-world scenario uses for this stuff? Sure, I think Absolutely. we can take a shot at that. Okay. We'll be right back, guys. We've got Randy and Daryl with us from Arden.org. This is the Ham Radio 360 podcast. So one more giveaway here on the Ham Radio 360 Podcast Christmas Show 2016. This one compliments of our friends at mtcradio.com. Thank you very much, Richard, for sharing this with our listeners. I'm excited because DMR Radio is hot right now. It's a lot of fun. I've got one of these rigs. It works well. I think you're going to really dig it. And i got to say congratulations to Charles Queen, Kilo Delta 8, Juliet Alpha Delta. Charles Queen from Ohio wins the TYT MD380 from our friends at MTC Radio. Congratulations, Charles. Now we're going to get back to Randy and Daryl as we talk more about Arden Radio. So before we go, we want to come back in and talk about this Arden.org network thing. It is the Amateur Radio Emergency Data Network. And Randall made a good point uh, where he said, this doesn't really do you a lot of good to have this big network that you've spent the money and the time to develop if you don't have a purpose and a means and a reason to use it. So let's talk about some of those reasons that you would be utilizing this type of network. Well, sure. There, there's many, you know, Daryl had pointed out earlier, a couple of the common uses, uh, setting up a voice over IP uh, system, in effect, your own private telephone uh, system. And the reason that's very attractive to a lot of folks is that, 
pretty much everyone knows how to use a telephone. <laughs> and so you can set up your own little uh, directory that's, uh, uh, and, and you can have non-ham operators operate the telephone and call in information. The other popular use of this is because it's a high-speed network, uh, you can put live streaming video across of it. So if you need to deploy a, a node near the, the bridge o- over a river that's flooding and you want to keep track of it, and but you don't want to have somebody sitting there in the rain or having uh, a vehicle in the rain, you can drop a battery and a, and a camera and a node on a pole, stick it by the bridge and and watch from the the safety and comfort of some other location. But there's all kinds of other things that people use. There's an open source project for putting together um, dispatch tickets for deploying people. Um, I believe it's called Tickets CAD uh, for computer-assisted dispatch. And Daryl mentioned some other applications. Yeah, one of the uh, one of our uh, project team members on the Arden project is uh, Trevor K seven FPV. He's written a really nice uh, little application that kind of rides across the mesh. Very familiar uh, if you know for the uh, back to the packet radio uh, crowd. It really provides a kind of a keyboard to keyboard type chat functionality that's distributed and fault tolerant and operates across the mesh. Uh, so I can be, you know, on a uh, on a chat session from my particular node, uh, and someone across the county could be connected to to a different node, and they're on that same chat. We can communicate directly, um, and all of those messages can be, can sync to all the other nodes, kind of within the what what he calls the zones. So there's a true fault tolerant capability to it. Uh, there's you know message traffic, uh, message passing, uh, things of that nature. It's really easy to get going with that application very lightweight can run on on the node itself or even uh, you get more capability when it runs like off of a Raspberry Pi that you may connect to the network to provide various other types of services um, that's just one of those um, uh, again the you know, the voice over IP we have like in my area we have a uh, asterisk uh, server which is a uh, open source uh, voice over IP uh, telephony server uh, so we have full telephone capability we have, you know, conference call rooms, so we can actually over the mesh conference call numerous people together. Uh, there's a voicemail across that. So, you know, again, thinking of in a disastrous situation, we've got a a voice over IP phone at a pod site, right? A point of distribution site. Um, and they are starting to run low on water or whatever. You can actually, we can actually have someone at that site, pick up the phone, leave a message at the emergency operations center or anywhere else on the mesh. Uh, and whenever that person, you know, can, they can notice that, Hey, I've got a voicemail because the light's flashing on their phone, just like we, you know, everyone's used to today in, a, in office settings and other, uh, other arenas that, you know, they can pick that up offline, kind of a store and forward type format. And again, all of that technology and all of that capability is provided by, you know, 
asterisk. This is uh, you know a, uh, an open source project that's free to deploy. You put it on the server, you go off, and you get all these fantastic features. So it's things like that that, that we're using you know very very uh, effectively. Uh, and other other areas that we use here in our county, uh, offline map servers. Uh, so everyone says, oh, I need a map. I'm going to go to Google. Well, what if Google's no longer available, right? So we've we have map servers that are offline that we can get to from the mesh guaranteed to be available uh, you know, of the globe right we can get to any any map that we need to offline that's amazing <laughs> that yeah. is amazing and, and guys it's ham radio it's not it's not telephone it's utilizing ham radio technology and the our privileges as amateur radio operators to utilize this super high speed connection that allows you to use a voice over ip telephone exactly yeah, we've got we've got uh, you know cert groups uh, that are you know across the nation. California's got uh, quite a few that are using this as well to do uh, cert assessments. So as they're you know canvassing a neighborhood, maybe in a, during a disaster or or some other uh, type of event, they're actually you know have a, a laptop computer with a node either in a backpack or they can stick a tripod up and gather information you know for damage assessment and then again storing and forward those types of systems can then send it whenever they join the mesh, right? So whenever they come in in range of a mesh node, that information syncs up and is available to uh, to the wider mesh group who may be looking for that type of information. Do you guys, I'm sure that you train, you have exercises that you participate in in the EOC with the EO, with, with whoever in your county. Uh, have Are you guys aware of any uh, actual disasters, emergencies, problems, where the uh, the network has been utilized for an emergency? Uh, I know the uh, the guys in California. There's some uh, some of uh, members of the group who are uh, in the uh, San Diego uh, in in Los Angeles areas. Uh, I believe have deployed in certain situations. I know they regularly deploy for public service type of events mm-hmm. for for training, and you know they're very active with the sheriff's departments there. The sheriff department's actually using video feeds from the Arden Mesh to monitor certain situations that you know they they don't have capabilities to get in or get visibility on with their own uh, camera systems. We can be very portable and, and, and provide that information to them. Yeah, just like Randy said, you have some in the back of your car, and you just get yep. to work. Yeah, where do you want a picture from? You know, you drive there, you stick your antenna up, and uh, you're on the mesh. That's awesome. That is awesome. Randy, you got anything else you want to add to us uh, before we go here on the show? Well, I, I think that kind of covers, uh, you know, the broader overview of what, uh, Arden has been doing. Uh, we're, we're just coming up on our second anniversary here very soon in another month or so. So I, I just wanted to share with everybody we've come a long, long way in, in a relatively short time. We're really excited by not only by what we're doing, but more importantly, by what folks in the ham radio community are actually doing with the Arden network. And that's really the best payback of all. I'd like to thank everybody who's put the Arden firmware to practical use out in the field and demonstrated how, once again, amateur radio operators can contribute to their local communities and to the nation as a whole. 
Fantastic. And we can visit your site at Arden.org, and that's A-R-E-D-N. That's Alpha Romeo Echo Delta November. And, guys, they've got some sweet T-shirts. Now, I'm a T-shirt guy, so I, I always notice those sorts of things. And uh, by purchasing those, your patches, your stickers for your gear, uh, that all helps fund the project that we know as Arden, the Amateur Radio Emergency Data Network. And That's right. Yeah, don't miss out on their forums either. I mean, if you're looking for some real information, of course, we want to get you started. We want to get the ball rolling here with the show. But if you need some questions answered, you have questions, they've got your answers. We used to have to say that on the phone, by the way, at Radio Shack. Uh, but they are the Amateur Radio Emergency Data Network. And, guys, both of you, thank you very much. I'm going to date the show and say Merry Christmas because it's that time of year. And uh, who knows, maybe I'll find some ubiquity gear under the tree for me this year. Hey, that would be a sweet president, a present, and it would be even better if you can get it up and operating with a couple of your local hams. That would be fun. That would be fun. Yeah. Santa gives you a radio. Maybe your wife will give you a tower. <laughs> you know, I've got a tower out here in the yard. It's been, I've got a 35, it's only a 35 foot tower. I've had it about two years and I've almost just left it laying there waiting, waiting for, uh, waiting for a larger alternative before I call the concrete truck. So uh, I need to get, I need to get going there, but it may get me over the top of the trees and that would definitely, definitely get it going for sure. Sounds like a project. Oh, yeah. There's there's plenty of those to go around. Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, again, thank you both. It's it's uh, Randy Smith. His call is Whiskey 2. I'm sorry, Whiskey Uniform 2 Sierra. And Daryl Quinn. His call is Kilo 5 Delta Lima Quebec. You can find them online at Arden.org. Again, it's Alpha Romeo Echo Delta November.org. And if you're interested, you'll find the forums there. And and this is this is some really neat stuff, guys. Thank you so much for coming on the program to share with us what you guys are doing. Well, thanks for having us, Kale. Yeah, thanks, Kale. Thanks for sharing your audience with us. Wrapping up another one here right before the end of the year. Thank you so much to Randy and Daryl from Arden.org, A-R-E-D-N, Alpha Romeo Echo Delta Norway dot org. Thank you guys for sharing your information with us tremendously interesting topic and you know i think this is really just the first step in learning more about this in hopes that we can have the guys back on again thank you so much randy and daryl appreciate you being here congratulations to all of our listeners we hope you enjoy your christmas giveaways wrap them up and uh, put them under the tree you can act surprised on christmas morning hey i gotta say a special thank you to kb6nu kj6vu n3wg and our friends down at mtcradio.com they all gave you their stuff for this giveaway contest. So if you need some study guides, visit Dan Romanchik, KB6NU. You need some portable antennas, it's packtenna.com. And if you need anything else in between all of that, make sure you visit our friends at mtcradio.com. It's been a great time. I've got one show left before the end of the year. cannot believe that we're that close to winter field day, and I'm hoping that's going to be the topic of the next show. So, hey, if you know Tom Phelps, tell Tom that Kel wants to get him on the program here so we can talk about winter field day right before the event guys thank you so much for listening i know christmas is coming you're busy you did not have to take the time to spend this time with me but i really appreciate it i wish all of you a very merry christmas from my beautiful family to yours god bless you thank you so much for listening 73 y'all thank you for listening to ham radio 360 brought to you by mtcradio.com for more information about the program visit hamradio360.com till next time 73 is y'all.